You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome to the first Toolstation Western League podcast of the new 2017-2018 season. My name is Ian Knockholds, I'm your presenter, and as always, I'm joined by Tom Hiscott, of course, the author of the Western League column in the non-league paper. Tom, uh, lovely to see you. Have you enjoyed your, your closed season? Yeah, it seems to be shorter than I'd, I'd never thought at first. But yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to getting back into the football. Um, the season's just starting around the corner. Have you been on the beach? Uh, not so to speak, no. Uh, no beach for me, just a little bit of cricket and stuff like that. So nothing nothing too much fun, unfortunately. Of course, one of the good things about the closed season is the pre-season friendlies. Indeed. And uh, they came round particularly early this season, <laughs> which did. was good because I was beginning to get withdrawal symptoms. Um, and uh, I, I managed to catch um, I managed to catch Swind- uh, Swindon playing Melksham in the pouring rain um, which was um, which was very uh, very entertaining obviously a lot of the Western League sides uh, were in action against a much higher level uh, opposition and um, I know you keep an eye on these things any pre-season games that particularly um, took your took your eye? Uh, I mean the, the Melksham one you mentioned was probably the one that I was most aware of uh, my father went to watch Bishop Sutton v Trowbridge on the weekend which I thoroughly enjoyed uh, yeah but I can see a, a lot of new, new signings have made good starts so yeah looking forward to it yeah and we've seen a merry-go-round of new mm, players indeed. as well haven't we and yeah. I think we'll be touching on that um, that later because um, for this first podcast of the uh, of the new season um, we are in the palatial surroundings of Summer Valley FM my old stomping ground so we must say a big thank you to, f- to them for hosting um, um, this first uh, podcast and I'm delighted to be joined in the studio um, by um, by John Paul the chairman of the Western League and by Andy Radford the general secretary uh, of the tool station Western League um, I'll start with you John uh, thank you very much for for joining us um, here today. Uh, obviously, it's the start of a new season. Very exciting time for all the fans, isn't it? Is it an exciting time for you, the chairman? Very much so. Uh, certainly, the close season gets shorter and shorter. Um, there's been quite a uh, quite a number of meetings on this occasion. Um, three days spent at St George's. Um, being brought up to speed by the FA with regards to the plans that they have in place um, or not. Um, the National League system is about to see um, certain changes, um, which no doubt you know, we will talk about later. But yes, looking at uh, in particular the Premier Division this time, um, believing that it's going to be extremely competitive, um, bearing in mind that there is a potential for two clubs to be promoted. So uh, a lot to look forward to. Uh, two new clubs coming in, uh, Bridgewater relegated from the Southern League and Bristol Telephones uh, promoted into the First Division from the Gloucester County League. So yes, uh, certainly uh, this season running again um, with uh, below constitution numbers but um, a satisfactory balance with the two divisions. Um, Again, you know, the introduction at the end of this season of having to reduce down to 20 teams per division um, is going to be uh, interesting to see how it all pans out. Really. And Andy, there's nobody busier at the moment this week um, than, uh, than you in the Western League. Um, uh, are, you in, are you able to enjoy it yet as we build up to our first round of fixtures? Um, so far, I've managed to have a week's holiday, which is great. Um, although it wasn't... Well, <laughs> 
Don't laugh, John. <laughs> <laughs> Although I emailed everyone and said I'm off on holiday, that didn't seem to make a blind job difference. I mean, the football business still continues, but I'm excited for the new season. I think it's going to be actually a great season, especially uh, for both divisions. I mean, everyone talks about, uh, as John alluded to, that there could be a potential two clubs uh, promoted from the, from the Western League. Um, uh, but I also think that the first division is going to be very strong this season. Yeah. I mean, you you look at the club that's come down, like uh, Sherborne, um, and then you see, like, I mean, I didn't really understand what happened to Cheddar last season. We kept talking about Cheddar, um, and then all of a sudden they sort of faded off. Mm. Um, so I think they're going to, perhaps they're going to be quite strong this season. Almondsbury must be better this season than last mm. season, surely. Mm. I mean, they, they've signed some good players this year up. So I'm told. Well, that, that actually, that's a good point because it was player signings that I was going to get Tom's thoughts on. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen um, um, a lot of strengthening by sides like um, Bitten, um, a, few, a fair few players from the Southern League who I was familiar with uh, in my time in the Soma Valley. Um, but um, um, other clubs as well, Odd Down included, have, yeah, I mean, um, have, have strengthened as Odd well. Odd Down in particular, the ones that I've noted, um, signing Hengroves, Asa White up front, uh, he should make a big difference. I mean, the goals he got last season, pretty much well. They, they put Hengrove in position uh, to, to get their promotion uh, and to see him uh, in odd down shirt this season should be should be interesting for those fans and they've also signed uh, I believe uh, Hengrove's centre half can't quite remember his name but uh, another another astute signing uh, up at odd down so there's a sense of optimism always mm-hmm. isn't there even at every club even clubs where they will have lost players and um, they've had a terrible pre-season and everybody's miserable without a ball being kicked everybody's optimistic aren't they going into the new season we had a fantastic um, um, season last season didn't we it was our first time doing the podcast and um, I don't know whether looking back on it now perhaps the Bristol Manor Farm runaway train maybe meant, it, meant that, that that one promotion slot was inevitable but mm. do, do you expect it to be a lot tighter at the top of the uh, the Premier Division this season? Yeah definitely and obviously as you mentioned that was sort of my first year covering covering the league and it was good to get to know know some of the clubs and I can see there is a lot of uh, expectations at some of these clubs uh, and, and with with two, two promotion slots potentially available there will be a, a big fight to get in those positions obviously Bristol Manor Farm uh, breaking the 100 points barrier was was a fantastic achievement and there were teams quite close I mean Street weren't that far off uh, yeah absolutely and and obviously Melksham made a made a strong push over the second half of the season so there are uh, a number of clubs who will fancy themselves uh, getting up there this season absolutely right now um, John at this time when we're talking about sort of what we're looking forward to is it really the is it the competition for those um, potentially two promotion places um, that is most exciting about the quality of the competition in the in the in the Western League, and does it reflect um, well on the member clubs that actually the, the league's in a very strong position that if sides like Street, for example, who came close last season, Melksham, of course, with their fantastic facilities, promotion is a is a realistic opportunity where in previous years clubs have won the title but have not been in a position to go up. Yes, I mean, I, I would believe that, that probably the big yardstick comes with the FA competitions because obviously the strength of opposition improves, you know, round by round. Um, certainly the, the FA Cup. As money, you know, as, as the attraction, the, you know, the amount of prize money that's available, you know, in the early rounds is, is extremely beneficial to clubs. Um, I think with regards to FA Vols, um, it's, a, it's a measure of the quality of the league, uh, dependent on how far clubs go in it. I think you have to be fortunate, definitely, with you know with the way the draws come out. 
um, with regards to the league, um, as we as we indicated before, I think that that there appear to be players now that maybe are dropping down from step four football and coming back into step five football, which is healthy for the league. Um, there's always that argument that, that about the uh, the steps between five and and four. You know, is there that much difference? I happen to believe over 42 games there are. Um, there is, sorry, um, but yeah, I I would I would say that that the quality is something that we talked about by comparison with as it was in the past. Certainly, year on year, I think I think it's fair to say that the, the game is very different than it used to be, and I would believe in in, in general terms the Western League at Step 5 is as strong as most leagues throughout the country. Well, let's hope that that quality is reflected in the gates because um, um, that was one of the things that was a th- recurring theme for us yeah. in the um, um, uh, in, in the podcast last season. Was um, sometimes we, we did have a bit of a rant, didn't we, Tom, about the about the low attendances and typically hangovers. Yeah, 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 that was a recurring theme. But I mean, it, you know, really for those people, I mean, you'd assume people listening to the Tool Station Western League would would sort of be converted. Absolutely. But you know, um, the quality of football certainly has has been improving in the time that I've been watching it, and hopefully the cl- the clubs will see the benefit of that indeed I'd, I'd hope so I mean obviously at the end of last season the, the final bullet and I did a quick look at sort of attendance figures over the season and obviously Melksham Melksham was streets ahead of the rest but I, I would hope that um, this league, league is great gaining traction uh, and I know that they do a lot of uh, great stuff sort of off the pitch that should help uh, bring that next generation through and hopefully we do see a rise in attendances and that is what the players deserve it is a it's a strong division as we've already uh, said, uh, mentioned so so yeah I hope, hope, hope to see a rise in, in the figures now um, uh, at this time in the in the close season of course it's uh, you know I, I talk about us being on the beach <laughs> and uh, having a holiday but of course that's um, um, that isn't the case for those people who make the Western League tick um, obviously we've got two of them in the studio um, today but actually it's those people who put in hours and commit thousands of pounds um, of their own money to supporting um, their local club. Um, the volunteers who, um, who who attend the grounds and who do the maintenance and to, and who are doing you know the paperwork and the recruitment for their own team and the training and the pre-season friendlies. So a big testament um, must go um, to them because I know that they don't they don't have a close season. In fact, if anything, in my experience, those people who I know run um, football clubs are often busier in the close season than they are during the uh, during the actual season but um, one of the things that I'm always interested in and particularly when we get the chance to speak to, to people who are involved in football administration is actually um, the role that uh, the, the board the Western League board perform um, we've heard John talking about the meetings that have already gone about about league re, uh, restructuring and we'll talk about that in a minute but I just wanted to get Andy's take on on, on what he's been doing over the um, um, over the last few uh, over the last few weeks in particular the the uh, I believe we we're now seeing the uh, a lot of the clubs will be using for the first time a new player registration system and of course as with any piece of um, software any new system it, there are always teething problems when, when actually it's not your job and you're not getting paid um, to um, to work out how to use it it's, it can be a little bit galling can't it Andy? It is indeed I mean, I, I mean I've got to give credit to the clubs actually for this because mm. you know we've moved to an online registration system so the onus is on the clubs to register their own players. Um, and the players do belong to the clubs. The players don't belong to the league. 
Um, and in the professional game, that's exactly what it is. You know, you sign a player for £50 million, they're your player. But you know all about that player. You know who he is, where he's come from, who he's ever played for, his date of birth, you've got his medical history. But what do we actually know about our non-league players? And that's why we're using the whole game system, uh, because feeding into that is every county FA, the FA itself, their whole history of that footballer is on whole game. And all we're doing is using that to register a player, and it really is as simple as that. I know some clubs have struggled. I mean, I've had, an, I've had a lot of phone calls. I've had a lot of emails. Um, but I've got to say that in, in the vast majority of cases, the clubs have done a, a, a brilliant job. They've taken it on, and hopefully they'll see. Once the season gets underway, the reason this is a busy time is simply because if you take any club might want 20, 30 players... They've got to get 20, 30 players to sign a piece of paper to say they'll play for them. They've got to go online. They've got to register those players. And they've got a very short window in which to do that. Although registration's opened on the 3rd of July, players are are a bit fickle. You know, know, a a player will come and do a couple of pre-season friendlies with your club. Mm. Then they'll go and do a a couple of pre-season friendlies with Tom's club. Then they'll go and play with John Paul's club. And then they'll decide, actually, we're going to sign for somebody completely different. And you go, okay, after all of that. And so it can be very difficult for clubs. Um, but but they are, they've been absolutely brilliant. And if I, I, there have been a few problems, but the FA have sorted, sorted those problems out. And every time I've emailed them, within 24 hours, the problem has been solved. Um, but, but really, they, they, you should look at the, the, the benefits. And as the season goes on, I mean, in the old days, if I wanted to transfer Tom from one club to my club, I had to get him to sign the form. I had to get their secretary to sign the form. I had to sign the form. And so it went on. I had to give them seven days' notice, first of all, before I could even do all that. All that now is done online. You issue seven days' notice online. You wait the seven days. After that, you can transfer him. Job done. It's so much easier than it ever was before. You know, you, if, if you do it all online, you don't even need bits of paper. Mm. Um, at the moment, a lot of clubs are using that system, and I understand that. It's what they know. It's yes. what they understand. Um, and players are the biggest problem, actually, because they're the ones that say, and I've heard it all, I don't have an email address. Mm. Really? What, in this day and age? Mm, I was going to say. You know, I don't know how to use it. Why is the phone always in your hand? You know, I, 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 these are people that have grown up like my kids with technology. They understand technology inside out. You know, um, eventually there will be an app just for players, so that they can just log into their app and go, yeah, I'll, I'll go and play for them. That'll be fine. You know, one of the big benefits of this is the fact that you you back this up against the volunteer aspect. And any any process like registrations, for instance, which you know Andy's indicated now can be time consuming, getting in your car, running around, getting foreign signed. If you can eliminate all that, it makes it considerably easier when it comes to looking at job loads and such like. You know, because that as a, as a secretary for a club, and in fairness to our clubs, certainly you know biggest percentages of those clubs are very well administered. You know that may not all be down to just one person, yeah. but they are very. You get you get odd problems, you know, as does any other league. And that is perhaps the joy of going to conference, where where the networking comes in, and you appreciate that you think you got problems. Well, so does everybody else when yeah. it comes to administration. 
Unfortunately, when you go to places like um, St. George's for three days, you actually come away with more work to do than you went there in the first place. But that, you know, that's not what it's designed for, but that's how it feels when you come away from there. But certainly the volunteer side of things, any anything that you can reduce that workload mm. is going to be beneficial. And like you say, in fairness, our clubs have gone through all sorts of different processes, you know, one way or another with the administration, and they always come up. They always come through with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, remember when grand grading started? Yeah. And everyone was, every club was sent the document for grand grading. And it was like, read that. Well, there's there's 12 pages to get through. Mm. And the vast majority of these people, you know, they are working. They, they've got other lives Absolutely. outside of football. And yet we just keep trying to push more and more things out to them. And, uh, and I suppose where I want to come from is the new general secretary is not to do that. And that's why when this new registration system was available to us, it's, well, let's do it. Let's cut down on that workload. I, don't, I know what it's like. I've been a club secretary. I know how difficult it can be. I know how much of my time it actually took. Yeah. You know? But it sounds like you, for, for, the people who out, for the people out there who have had a problem, they've been able to contact you. You've, you've obviously helped people. By the sounds of it, the Football Association themselves have been very responsive to your inquiries. So well, well, we're in a period of sort of transition, a period of institutional change from that sort of paper-based to forms. Um, and there is something reassuring about a bit of paper at the end of the day, isn't there? Um, but, um, but, you know, the support is out there for the clubs. The, yeah, the advice I, I is should, out there. Yeah, and I should mention the county FAs. They've done, yeah. they've done a great job, all our counties, because they are the people uh, that there's there's one person at every county uh, who has the responsibility for the whole game system for their county so if our clubs have a problem with a player um, he may have been registered two or three times in the yeah. past the same player they contact their local county FA they'll merge the record he becomes one player as he always should be yeah you know um, and so, so the counties, have, uh, they've had an awful lot of work to do. Whether they were expecting it, I don't know. But they've had a lot of work to do over the last three or four weeks in making sure that everything is, is right. Because in the past, records are wrong. And that's why sometimes there is an issue with trying to register a player. It's because the record is wrong. Put the record right, you can register the player. And that's really all it's about. Then from now on, don't forget next season, this will be a whole lot easier because you've done all the, you've done all the hard work. You know. And it's well worth investing the time now before a ball has been kicked in competitive action to making sure that all of your player re registrations are absolutely spot on and any issues about player duplication are rectified because if those things become apparent during the season, that's where clubs can, can fall foul of the, uh, of, the, of, the, of the rules and regulations. Yeah, absolutely, because when a player gets booked, that's put on whole yeah. game. So they need to make sure that when a referee's booked a player and he sends it off to the local county FA, that they're actually putting on the system the correct player. Because otherwise that causes an awful lot of problems. And I'm not sure how in the past they've done that when you've got, you know, you've got a player with two or three uh, registrations. You go, well, which one are you putting the yellow card against? Which one are you putting the red card against? But somehow they did it. Um, and that, that's just not good enough. It's got to be, it's got to be right, you know. It, we should know who's playing football for us, is what we're coming down to, isn't it? We need to know that a club isn't cheating, so that they don't field a player who isn't uh, Ian Knockholds, who isn't Tommy Scott. That when he walks onto that field of play, he is who he says he is. <laughs> 
So one of the things that might be a useful way of checking that somebody is who they say they are is if players actually required to provide a form of identification, like a passport or a driving license, which has their name. Um, so, for example, people like to put a K in front of my surname. Now, if I'd accrued a few bookings <laughs> over the course of the season and I j decided that I was going to transfer myself from Melksham to Devizes, um, then uh, I might want to stick a K in front of my name and uh, my surname. And uh, effectively on the system, I would appear as a, as a new person. Um, but actually, um, if that transgression was found out, then, um, then, the, then the club would be in hot water and it wouldn't be any fault of their own. No, I mean, there was an option that we... I mean, there are an awful lot of options on whole game that we could introduce and we could add to, one of which is a photo ID. Right. We could ask for a photograph of the player. Um, now, I know, I, I believe, the Devon FA, you have to register every player yeah. in Devon yeah. with, your, with the Devon FA and they have to have a photo. Um, and we could adopt that. We could we could do that, but let's not do that now because we're we're only just yeah. starting out. This is the first step on a, on a long road. But who knows? Five years from now, every one of our players could be carrying a photo ID that allows them to play in the Western League. Which actually, the the dual registration system doesn't help. No. Um, there's a view, uh, um, and it's it's a general view that that maybe is something that needs to be addressed. Uh, the claim being that it's the right of every player to sign, you know, for clubs in different leagues. Um, we understand all that, but from an administration point of view, that that does lead to complications. So, so maybe photo IDs may be, you know, the final result. Um, it's not something that we've we've considered at this point in time. No. But you know, just so for the li for the listeners out there who are unfamiliar with with the dual um, registration scheme, that would be a that would be the scheme that would allow me to play for Porton Rovers yeah. and Welton Rovers. Yeah. Um, so I could play in the Southern League and I could yeah. play in the um, yeah. uh, in, in And you could also play League. for a team on a Sunday because it's completely different as well. Yeah. So potentially, and then you could even go and play for a county league side. If you like, I'm not that fit, <laughs> but um, I'll give yeah. it. I'll give it some. Yeah. If anybody sign, if anybody listening to this wants to sign me, I'm, I'm open to offers. Well, you're, obviously, you're only playing for Portland when they're desperate, but you're normally playing for the county league, aren't you? Well, that's what. That's obviously, what you're doing. <laughs> Um, right, John, um, we've alluded... Uh, in fact, well, actually, this is quite a nice little segue into the discussion about the, the league structure. And I know that this is a, a recurring theme and perhaps sits at the heart of a number of the, the meetings that you've been having with the FA at St George's Park. Um, what, what, what is um, the founding principle, if you like, of, of football in this country is the pyramid. But the pyramid, uh, unlike the pyramids of Egypt, is constantly moving and changing shape. And that's one of the challenges that league administrators have in the way that the game is structured in that in that in that league system isn't it any national league system or, or the principal national league system is about movement now how you achieve that movement thereby hangs the geographics mm. so therefore if you look at the north country that has got its own issues as we have in the south of england i would argue that our problems in the south of england certainly because of the shape of the country would probably be more difficult that's why we reference clubs in fairness to the Western League clubs, we'd never ever had any issues with Western League clubs travel. Certainly midweek, you wouldn't, you know, that that is always a concern, you know. But generally on Saturdays, I don't think we've had any, anybody, to my knowledge, that has ever complained about tr distance travel. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't enter FA competitions to start with. Mm. Where where the FA need to address it, um, and this is yes, it is ongoing. Um, it's, there's meetings that have been held. There are meetings pending um, with, you know, with like-minded people. Um, 
we got meetings in line with the Southern League. Um, it's all about a movement of clubs. Now, I don't think anybody would not acknowledge, for instance, if you if you went into deepest Cornwall, would you genuinely believe that, that there's a likelihood of Penzance playing Western League football? Probably not. Um, but what you do need to do, uh, because of the of the introduction of the, of the Peninsula League, uh, who are regarded as enemies, which is grossly um, unfair. They're not enemies at all. Um, they're football colleagues. But unfortunately, where they are, um, the geographics perhaps makes it extremely difficult for them to participate in levels of football that maybe some of their clubs would aspire to. Uh, in particular with the Devon clubs there are certainly some of the Devon clubs that, that we would wish to see given the opportunity to come forward but unfortunately the strength of that competition lies very much in Cornwall and if those Cornish clubs choose not to move um, you know. but the picture is bigger than that the picture goes back down to and again you know, I can't speak on behalf of the rest of the country but step seven you, know, you, you get various leagues that are offering clubs up you get others that don't. Now, that may not be the fault in particular of those respective leagues. It's got to be the fault of, and this is where it starts to get very deep, about funding aspects and everything else. Because if you look at the grading document, the grading document in itself can be prohibitive to clubs. So therefore, the picture gets big. You, know, you, you really have, the FA have to look at exactly how they allocate funding. You know, and the further up the pyramid you go, more money becomes available. And I don't know whether that's ever likely to be reversed, but certainly it needs to be addressed because, quite simply, every club should be given an opportunity. And at the moment, that isn't the case. Um, so, like I say, you know, we as a league are quite, you know, quite proud of the fact that we continue to push clubs forward. But we're not particularly proud of the fact that we don't relegate because that, in theory, should be all part and parcel mm -hmm. of it. Yep. I, know, I know it's an aggravation to club or leagues at step seven, but unfortunately, everybody gets into playing the numbers game. And the FA at the moment need to get a grip and find out exactly. I mean, they talk about compulsory um, promotion and relegation. Every year, the clubs are warned about lateral movement. But lateral movement seems to happen in other parts of the country, but it doesn't seem to happen down in the southwest. And those meetings that are taking place now are very much around the fact that, that if you want this to work, you've got to make it work. Um, so yes, you know, that's, that's really where the National League system and, and the views of the Western League are pretty much that whilst you might think it's a Western League issue, it is if you continue to promote clubs to the extent that we do and not get anything coming through. It also sounds like there is a, a regional disparity in terms of the way that football is administered at the highest level of the game. Do, do you feel that the South West is a, is a poor relation in that, so. in that respect? Very much so. so. I believe there's been opportunities in the past to address this, and they've not been taken. There's been clubs in, in I mean, you know, it's not Labour to point about the Peninsula League. There's been clubs in, the, in, in that Peninsula League that have looked for the opportunity to progress. And because they've not finished in promotion positions, right, they've not been afforded that. Now, if you want movement, you've got to make a decision. Yeah. Are you going to use promotion and as 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 the catalyst for movement, or are you going to genuinely try to make the national league system work? And it's as simple as that. 
you know, sometimes if a, if a club chooses not to take promotion, the question needs to be asked, does that club continue to participate in, in the National League system and enter FA competitions and win, you know, large amounts of money? There's got to be something radically wrong with that. So what one thing would you like to see? I mean, it might be more than one, but what if, if the FA could do one thing to address this, what one thing would be at the top of your list? I don't suggest it's a simple solution. I think I think the way that I would want to go about it is, is to give the, the clubs with aspirations the opportunity. In other words, if they didn't finish with promotion system, and the clubs at the top chose not to yeah. move, then I think quite simply you should give those clubs that opportunity. And I firmly believe that that, that promotion from what, uh, whatever position in, in respective league should go hand in hand with funding. Andy, you, you were uh, uh, associated with Bristol Manor Farm um, for, yeah. for many years, weren't you? And, of course, yeah. they achieved promotion. They achieved the title in spectacular fashion last season. So it must be with, a, with mixed feelings that the general secretary of the Western League mm -hmm. sees um, a club so closely associated uh, with your time in the game uh, leaving the very league that you are uh, that you represent. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I, I, I wish Manor Farm all the best. I mean, I... Uh, I still watch them now and again. Um, I, I watched one friendly, but that was on the premise actually of uh, having to see Bridgewater Town who were playing in the friendly. So uh, that that was quite nice. But uh, no, I'll obviously I'll always have uh, keep an eye on what Bristol Manor Farm are doing in the Southern League. But but my art is with is with the Western League, and I, I you know. And talking about what what John was just talking about, the National League system, the 2017-18 season is the first time ever that the club finishing top of our Premier Division is automatic promotion. You know, there's none of this applying business anymore. This is you finish top, you're getting promoted. And I, I think that's the way, isn't that the way leagues should work? Yeah, indeed. If you finish top, you get promoted. If you finish yeah. bottom, you get relegated. That's what you play for, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you I, turn I, up I, on a Saturday, yeah. you're trying to get your points. and So we're, we're, um, they're doing it as this one-off. But who knows, in the future, they may decide to keep that. I don't know. Do you think that that, that, that process incentivises a club that, if it knows that it has, it's in with a shout, it's competing for the league title, it's not just competing for the league title, it's all, it also needs to have a view of ensuring that its ground facilities are capable of achieving the promotion that the, that the, that the, that the team on the pitch are looking for, that it creates that, that, that sort of a strategy that's, that's far more whole rather than a bit more one-eyed. Yeah, without getting, I mean, without getting too technical on the ground grade in front of things, um, this season coming, you don't need the grade for the for step four to get promoted. You have to achieve that within the first season, which is the first ever. That's never happened before either. Mm -hmm. And it's what we've always said. We said, well, when we take a club from step seven into our step six, they've got that whole season up to the 31st of March mm -hmm. to get their ground up to the correct standard. Why does that not happen from our Premier Division into the Southern League? Well, now it does. But for one season only. One season, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I mean, you know, without um, without talking um, about the the, the the reasoning behind all this, it is, it's, well, it is quite simple, really. It was all about lack of movement up north. So what they've done now, they've created these two new divisions. So that's the intention. One in the Midlands and one in, in East Anglia. Um, the idea being that, that these clubs can be moved around in and around the you know the the, the northern. Uh, part of the country 
But if you look at that, the problem's no different out there than it is down down in the south of England. And you know they've never they've never really established where where by definition boundaries are. Mm. You know it's 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 very easy to keep using this term lateral movement, but it's all down to it's all down to geographics. It's all down to travel distances. Well, I mean, going back to what we were saying just now with regards to promotion, I think another factor that clubs need to to come to terms with is once you make that move up, then the one thing that's going to change, right, is travel. You know, and and it's the one thing that that we believe, uh, and and evidence proves that, that that clubs play at a level of football they sometimes don't realise. Yeah. That, that you know travel distances are, are you know going to be one of the issues that, that they have to deal with you know and by design nobody's going to be asked to travel distances that are unreasonable but unfortunately as history shows you get a spell of bad weather your fixtures back up and all of a sudden somebody's going to be tasked with traveling a midweek fixture that they don't want to be traveling now it's not it's not done by you know Lack of all is is just circumstance. Um, but I, th- I think another thing with regards to this promotion issue, the grading element of it is not necessarily something to you know to be fearful of. I mean, funding is available. Um, maybe there's a failing there that 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 the information that goes with that is not made readily available. In my view, I don't think that I don't think there's enough information rolled out to the clubs um, by the FA uh, with regards to what funding can be, you know, um, because it is it's a job in itself. You, you know, there, we have a, we have had a number of clubs that have looked for a promotion, and in fairness, it's, it becomes a dedicated job for one individual mm-hmm. going round trying to find necessary funding to achieve all the requirements um, and you, you start trying to put that on top of a, a club secretary or whatever then it, it you know it, it becomes there's also difficult. a few anomalies with that I mean if you play at step 7 and you think to yourself I want to get promoted to the Western League oh one thing I need is some floodlights I'll put in for a grant yes. you can't have one because you play at step 7 you can't get funding for floodlights until you're at step 6 and you're thinking well that's just a bit odd but I mean, that happens all the way at the pyramid so if you're at step five, you want to get promoted to step four and you want some extra, well, you can, you play at step five. You know, Once you're in step four, we'll give you the money. Might be a bit late then. That's why I think this new, new way of doing it actually then works. I'm now at step four because I got all my promotion. Now I can yeah. get the, the grants and the funding. Yeah, and I, I think that's a much better way of doing it. And maybe, who knows? I mean, me and John talk about football an awful lot, actually. But mm-hmm. who knows? All my promotion from the SWPL into our Step 5 may be a way forward. I think just as an illustration of, of, of how the FA, you know, and let's not keep criticising the FA because they, you know, they do a lot of good work as well as, you know. But you, you take the situation within the Hellenic League. The Hellenic League has been built in part on clubs that can actually go nowhere those clubs can go nowhere because fundamentally they can't have floodlights so those the term that was used was black villages so now they're in the process of addressing that but in fairness to the Hellenic League if the Hellenic League turned around and sort of said how many clubs playing at step 7 fundamentally can go forward I don't think the FA would have a clue 
So we got clubs playing at step seven who could be in exactly that same position that at the end of the day could never achieve funding, uh, sorry, never achieve planning permission for floodlights. Well, don't you need to well, find this out? Yeah. Or you start bringing people into the system. I know people are sort of saying, oh, well, that's fair enough. What are you going to do with all these clubs? It is an issue. I, I understand that. And, and they should be allowed to play competitive football. But I think there's there, it needs it's something that needs to be addressed some way or another, and I you know I haven't got an answer for that. But what what I do think is is remiss is the fact that the FA don't know what they actually got in terms of clubs that can actually participate actively in the national league system on the basis of promotion and relegation. Tom, I want to bring you in uh, here because for today's. Um, Discussion. You are the the, the fans sort of uh, the fans' voice in some respects. And, and what what um, John and Andy have been describing there is a is a very um, considered uh, view of, of actual the, the realities of football administration. Now the funny thing is that for you and me, we're, we're the fans' perspective, and actually we want to see promotion and relegation, yeah. don't we? It's part of the game. Yeah, fans want the idea of trips to new grounds. Mm. They want to see their clubs signing better quality players and coming up against better quality opposition. They want to see the standard of the football that they're paying for at the turnstiles mm. increase. That's inherently what we're all about, really. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that ambition that drives um, clubs, clubs in the Western League, clubs across the league system, yeah. um, to invest in their playing squads and all the rest of it. But I think fans probably don't appreciate necessarily just what, what, what sort of a rod they could potentially be making for their own back when when those the the, the the journeys that we take around the Western League they might be um, if we've done it you know a thousand times then it's actually it would be nice to go to some new grounds but actually if those midweek trips are a little bit longer and the, the prices are a little bit more expensive then you know fans are a funny beast aren't they mm. convenience of, of all things could stop you think actually I'd love to go and watch that side but unless they're at home I think I'll be going down the road and watching a new team because I just can't make those trips anymore that's not just on on midweek games either I mean just local, um, if you if you've got work and um, you're unable to as you say uh, following odd down as I have done uh, so if they're playing a million miles away there are other grounds closer where I'm gonna mm. I'm gonna head on even on a Saturday afternoon I mean Westbury are, uh, in good position so I mean it's tough but you, as, you, as the main point I would say I agree with Andy promotion and relegation are part of how you're brought up following sp- mm. it's not just football this, this sport in general um, you want to achieve uh, the maximum you possibly can and you're always you're always striving for that uh, and obviously money is a big part of, of, of how things go these days and uh, yeah but I just I see <laughs> an end goal at the end of a you play a long season of I don't know 40, 40 odd games and if there's no no achievable uh, attainable goal at the end of that then that does seem a bit seems a bit odd doesn't it does a bit yeah, yeah. As, a, as a fan as you say um, the, the subject of finance keeps on rearing its <laughs> its ugly head and um, and of course it does because uh, you know we've spent a lot of time talking about the volunteers that make the clubs and the league what it is but actually the reality is and it is the reality I mean it's the reality of the studio that we're sat in today where Summer Valley is a community radio station and um, uh, it's run by volunteers but the infrastructure the bills still need to get paid and um, whether you're talking 
talking about a Western League club or the Western League as a whole, um, finance is an issue because without the sponsors, without the support, without the financial security from from the very bottom, from the from the very smallest contribution to ultimately tool station support for the entire Western League, um, that money is crucial in securing the the, the long term future of um, of league football, isn't it, John? Very much so. I mean, there's there's always this age-old argument about money percolating back down through from the top end of football, and I mean, I think it's a sore point with, you know, certainly with not just football at our level, but probably, you know, throughout non-league football, um, and how you go about changing that, um, I don't know, the, the FA don't even appear to know how to attack that. More on, on a localised level, we have been extremely fortunate as a league. Uh, and that's down to um, colleagues past, colleagues present about um, the way that we've, you know, we've maintained excellent support through sponsorship, and long may that continue. We are more than fortunate, I believe, in having a sponsor who actually doesn't meet that many demands. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we put boards up on the ground. We. We, we promote the name, um, and we're never we're never ever tasked to jump through hoops, and and you know, and that's been pretty much the case for um, for a number of years, you know, with previous uh, sponsors. Um, it's just um, I think the point that needs to be made is 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 making sure that the clubs are aware of it. Um, it's not something they've got to be concerned about, but I think that. You know, it, it would be wrong to just accept the fact that it's there forever and a day yeah. because you, you, there's no guarantees of that. Uh, and we we have an extremely good relationship, and long may that continue. That's why it's important that when we we do ask the clubs to participate in things like convention weekends and such like, that they do you know they do comply, uh, and in fairness they do. Um, so yeah, I, I mean. Is is absolutely invaluable. Um, I mean, we we get an extremely substantial amount of money, and that money, you know, apart from administration, goes back into the clubs. The clubs get it one way or another. So, long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. I suppose <laughs> the, the, perhaps the one thing the Western League has done is they're not they're not the Western League. They're probably more. They're probably better known by everyone. Is the Tool Station League. So you know that has, that has promoted that their name yeah, yeah. By, by, by that by that very way. Uh, weirdly, of course, the FA won't have it. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I write to the FA, if I'm a tall station league, it's you're the Western Football League. And you go, okay, mate, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> there's an interesting. I mean, there's there's I suppose there's an there's an elephant in the room when we talk about finance, and that is that uh, at the top of the game. Um, the deal that um, finances the Premier League is yeah. so well publicised. Yeah. You know, uh, even today, the transfer stories that go on in professional football at the beginning of the season. You know, there was a time when we talked about player transfers in the tens of millions. Now, you know, it's the hundred of millions. There is such a massive disconnect, isn't there, between the funding of football at the very top of the game and the accessibility of funding at the very bottom of the game and and that the the the, the real challenge that i see the fa have is that they are charged as bridging the divide but actually in order to produce the elite england 
men and women performers of tomorrow, the youth football, the women's football that goes on at grassroots level uh, and goes on at Western League member clubs is, is an integral part of that. Um, yet, yet, yet that dichotomy of funding does exist. But that's the problem, though, Ian, is, is that you go, to, you go to St. George's, and this is the first time they've ever done it. The, the, normally, it's set up for stats one to six. This time, they introduced the women's leagues into it. That's fine. You know, that. So, and it would be unfair to say the whole emphasis was on the women's football. But the first statement that Martin Glenn made when he stood up and spoke to everybody was that they will intend to, to double participation in the women's game by, 20, you know, by 2020. That's fine. But in the next breath, somebody could have stood up and said, but the Lebanon-side football, uh, the Lebanon-side men's game is struggling on your own admission. Well, the reason it's struggling is because you've not concentrated and done anything towards the Lebanon-side game in terms of funding, you know, inducement. You're quite happy to deal with, you know, and un un understand that I am totally supportive of walking football and everything else. But you can't keep coming up with these contradictions about, you know, the lack of interest that's being generated around the Lebanon-side game at our level of football. Steps five and six, right, and, and you could go throughout the country, falls into a great big black hole. It doesn't belong anywhere. It doesn't belong to the counties because the counties have got other priorities in terms of walking football, women's football, um, kids' football, quite rightly so, and step seven. Right. We don't belong to the FA because they take care of one to four. So five and six had to fight his own corner for, for recognition for everything. And that is fundamentally where the Lebanon-side game needs to be supported. And it's, it's, it's those contradictions that it's just don't understand. I had an interesting argument with someone at a football club about the amount of money pumped into the Premier League, you know, the billions mm. billions of pounds, and that, you know, he said to me, he said, but all they actually spend it on is players. Mm. They basically, you know, you, you, you give a club £100 million, they'll spend £100 million on players or players' wages or whatever. He said, so imagine if you gave every club at our level £10,000, what would they spend it on? He said, you can bet your bottom dollar they spend it on players. He said, because that's what everyone seems to end up doing. He said, when you've got a situation that Arsenal have to build a new stadium, but they haven't used the hundreds of millions of pounds they got from Sky Football, they took out a loan. And you're going, well, where did all that money go? Went on players. And, and, and you've, got, you, you've got to question it. You, you've got to question it. But surely you need a facility, and you've got to look after that facility. And our, our clubs spend a lot of time and a lot of money looking after their facilities and not spending it on players. And that's, that's where the big divide has come. You've only got to look at the difference between the Premier League and, and the English Football League, the EFL, as they're now called, um, and the amount of money that's paid out in the two, isn't it, in, in players' wages. And as it goes down, and then you've got those at the top of the, uh, the conference, or whatever it's called these days, who, who aspire to be in the English Football League, so, so they're they're becoming professional now. So, I mean, where does it ever end? Yeah. I mean, you just can't keep spending money you don't have, because that's what ultimately what it comes down to. They don't recognise. They don't. They, they certainly don't recognise the implications that if you don't get it right at the top, then it's all going to percolate down through. And the amount of money that's being paid out at our level of football now is absolutely ridiculous. Now, that's not to say that we got any right to tell a clubhouse to spend spending money, because we haven't. 
and it's absolutely within you know it's entirely down to how the clubs how they spend their money but it can you know it's not a way forward it's you know you can't I mean more and more clubs now are addressing that to be fair more and more clubs are now have, have withdrawn budgets simply you know because they can't afford it but that, in a lot of respects, is the right way to go. You certainly can't be critical of a club that chooses to spend its money on players. That's that's their prerogative. They work hard enough to raise that sort of money. That's it's entirely up to them what they do with it. But in the scheme of things, when you when you look at the top end and you come all the way down through, what you actually pay, right, in terms of going through to watch a game of football and, and the value for money thing is always going to be brought into question if you actually realise what some of those are being paid. It's, there's there's a big anomaly, uh, and and a lot of it has been generated by what's happening at the top end of football. Well, that t- to my mind, that's the the greatest contradiction of all, really. And I'd, I'd like to think that many of the people who'd be listening to this, um, who are themselves uh, involved in a in a Western League club, um, to my mind, when the FA make a pronouncement about wanting to increase participation in the game, and let's take women's football, because women's football is a hot topic at the moment, yeah, because the you know, frankly, our, our women are better than our men. <laughs> um, the um, um, that's 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 fine as a target. You know, it's, it's fine as an aspiration. Who's going to be delivering that? Well, we have a structure of county FAs, and I'm very familiar with certainly the Somerset FA, and I know a lot about the wonderful work um, that, that, that they do, and they've got a fantastic track record in um, um, uh, in promoting, certainly, well, promoting um, a, a number of things, women's football being one of them. But actually, when it comes down to delivering the sessions, when it comes down to delivering the games, the matches, the teams, the players, the training, that falls upon member clubs, Western League member clubs. Now, I say that from a position of, of very little knowledge, but I do know that, that Melksham Town, for example, have a, have a ladies' side. Now, they, I've watched them a couple of times, actually. They, um, you know, they will have a coach. Um, they will train. Um, they need sponsors to pay for their kit. Um, all of those things can't happen unless people on the, on the ground. I mean, you know, that's even beneath the grassroots. The people on the ground make that happen. So at the very top, you've got football administrators making pronouncements. They're writing checks that they don't cash. Mm. Actually, th- those achievements are done by the member clubs. Mm. And I think, you know, that, that's the sort of that's the, that's the bit that really sticks in my claw um, uh, uh, when, when it talks about increasing participation. You know, who actually do they think does this? Because it's the same person might be running the ladies team on a, a Sunday. But actually, they're doing the gate for the first team on the Saturday. You know, they're making the teas in the tea hut, you know, for the midweek games. You know, the, 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 there's these. There's not a never-ending pool of people that you can just pull in to, um, to a football club at any level, is there? No, I mean, and, and I suppose that as a league, what we, what we try to do is encourage people to go and watch a game of football in the Western League. Because it is a great game. It's a great day out, isn't it? Mm. I mean, we, we, I'm talking to the converted here, obviously, because <laughs> you've all been. But, you know, you can spend £5 to watch a game of football and you can buy the programme or not. That's your choice. But you can get a nice pie. You can have a pint of beer. You can watch a, watch a game of football, you know, and it, yeah. it's, it's a great day out. But we need to get that out there. And, and part of that, if you like, in the future is what I'm looking at to try and drive. Um, and one of the things is through through our app. Oh, I hope you've all got the app. Um, <laughs> the app makes money. Get the app. Um, so I'm hoping to drive it through the app because, I mean, ground hopping is a big thing, as we all know. We do a ground hop weekend mm-hmm. in October. But there's things we can use the app for. We could, we could say things like, you know, when you go to a coffee shop and they say, would you like one of our loyalty things? And they stamp it with a cup of coffee. Yeah, we can do that, but we can do that on the app. 
So if you go to if you go to a football ground, and you you scan the, the code in their program, that gives you one. Well, if you, what happens if you get six? Then you can have a seventh one free. So get around our grounds. We've got 42 grounds you can go and visit, and some of them are brand new. Mm. So, you know, we got Bristol Telephones. I've never been to Bristol Telephones. Mm. We've got Bridgewater Town. I'm all right, I've been to Bridgewater Town. But, you know, there's always somewhere new to go, isn't there? And that might encourage people to say, you know what, I'm going to try and do all 42 clubs this season. I'm going to do all 42 grounds in one season. Let's see if I can get on the top. We can have a leaderboard. Mm. And we can show people's names up on the website. You go, this is the leaderboard. Look, Tom Scott's at the top again. <laughs> you know, he's done 41. He's he got one to go. I'm going to nobble him this I week. I wish I had the time. He only ever goes to odd down. Mind you, in certain fairness, I only ever go to uh, Melcher money. <laughs> so there's sort of those sort of things you can do. But I need to have the clubs on board to do that. Yeah. Because what I'm saying to you, Ian, is I'm saying... When this, when John Paul turns up Saturday with his free code, you got to let him in for free, and you'll be going. I've just lost five pounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it won't be you every week. He's not going to be choosing to go to your club every week, is he? You know what I mean? The people who are doing this will be all spread about all over the area, yeah. and it might just encourage them to do something like that. Yeah. You know, and once they get to their local club, and they go. You know what? I enjoyed it today. I started off in, in trying to collect all the stamps, but but now I'm happy to stay. And, and come back again, you know. But next week, the, my club's away at Buckland. Never been to Buckland. Mm. Lovely ground, by the way. I like Buckland. Mm. Uh, so if you travel down, get another stamp. Before you know it, you got a free one. I mean, what's wrong with that? You know, it's costing us very, very little. But let's try and encourage people in. That's such a, a powerful and positive message, and I think that's what I'd like to do to round up our, our discussion here um, today with, with, with that, that sort of the power of positivity. I'm certainly really looking forward to the beginning of the Tool Station Western League season. I think we're going to have an incredibly competitive um, Premier Division. In fact, I think we're going to have a very competitive both um, both divisions because actually, Tom, it was, the, um, it was the first division that was perhaps the most well, exciting, wasn't yeah. it, right at, the, right at the end? Um, yeah, we very much season. enjoyed the, uh, the run-in. Uh, making predictions in in yeah. March as to who would <laughs> who would gain those promotion spots. Um, but if it's anything like last season, obviously this will be my first full season sort of covering the league. I'm very much excited, and yeah, as you say, I just can't wait to get started. And obviously, we get get going with the FA Cup uh, on Saturday uh, for the Premier Division sides, which I'm hoping they're all, all ready. And obviously, there's a couple of uh, inter inter Premier Division clash, which is a bit unfortunate, but uh, yeah, obviously money to be made there. And obviously, that goes back to a little bit of our discussion uh, and at the end of the day these teams they want to be competing on a Saturday afternoon the money has to be spent but they do bring prizes so uh, yeah good, good luck to all the teams this this weekend all our teams dreaming of Wembley indeed maybe not the football association <laughs> cup but possibly the Vars we indeed. had two sides doing very well in that competition last season and every reason to believe that um, that they can be competitive again this season yeah they've led the, led the way last year Buckland and, and Bristol Manor Farm obviously had a, had a fair go at it and so yeah I mean, I mean that is I would say that was attainable for a lot of our clubs. I hope so. Anyway, I'm looking forward to a, a long, a long-standing uh, effort from from them this season. Yeah, it would be nice for us to get a trip to Wembley, wouldn't it? Maybe. What I also look forward to every season is, I, and I always try to guess this. And I've done this for about the last five or six <laughs> years. Have you ever noticed there's always one club in each division that comes from nowhere? Yeah. Mm. You know, it was your favourite club last season, Hengrove. You know, you kept on. Oh, they're sixth. Oh, they're fifth. You know, and you yeah. kept on. I remember when Bishop Sutton won the title. Yeah. It was like, where did they come from? Mm. And all of a sudden, they just came from nowhere. And what? There's always a club that does that, and it's always trying to guess who will that club be yeah. in each division. Over the years, it's, it's quite remarkable. Really, I can go back to Torrington. 
you know, I mean, Torrington, never never a club that you would have flagged up as being one of the top clubs by any stretch. And yet they went through and they won it. Yeah. And it is achievable. Mm. You know, and it's, it's, yeah, okay, you're always going to have your fancied clubs. Um, and certainly this year, you know, s simply because of the competitive element yeah. is going to be brought about by these two promotion positions. And we shouldn't keep saying about two promotion positions because it's one in a bit at the moment. They're, they're not sure about the runners-up. It's, it's a numbers game, really. So uh, the clubs are made aware of it. All the information has been sent out to the clubs about you know what is necessary and the scenarios that, that may be introduced. And if you can understand that, then you're a better man than me <laughs> because it's... Uh, I mean, what it comes down to is if, if you finish top... You'll go. You'll go. If you finish second... You, you may or may not. Yeah. Yeah. So if 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 you want to be guaranteed, yeah. finish top. Yeah, because yeah. that saved you asking me all season. Yeah. <laughs> well, with um, the clubs have got you and John, um, fighting their corner. So hopefully um, we will get that second um, promotion spot. Um, although it, it will be a shame to lose um, two teams from the Western League family. We're but losing them, and as long as we can get them replaced. That's where we come from. Just before we wrap this up, really, John, I wanted to um, you know leave the sort of the final words to you. Really, um, I mean, we are at the start of the new season we talked about we've you know Andy's been incredibly enthusiastic Tom and I are looking forward to it and what are you looking forward to um, most this season what am I looking forward to yeah um, more usual really uh, I, just just in general you know for people to be able to enjoy what is on offer certainly you know the dream would always be to see more people coming through the gate Um because we're passionate about it, we always believe that, that you know what is produced is is is, is worthwhile, is is entertaining, and there's plenty of add-ons if you if you want to get involved in it. We also um, the delight is always is seeing the clubs have success in competitions, you know, not just league competition, but obviously in, in FA competitions, simply because the rewards are that much greater. Um, the FA Vores is always there; it's achievable. Um, but like I say, you, you know, things are secure. I think that's what's important at the moment. Um, you know, we're not on the face of it. We're not under any, you know, undue pressure with regards to outside elements. Um, it's just trying to make sure that the clubs are fully aware of, of what, what is available to them. And we can only continue to try to service it as a board of directors, as we do at the moment. Yeah, we make, you know, we make mistakes along the way. Um, you know, sometimes the decisions don't always meet favour, but they're certainly not done with any, you know, with any other motive than, than you know, a decision was made, uh, right or wrong. Um, could I just say, you, you know, at this point, thanks to yourself and to Tom, really, the podcasts have been absolutely excellent, and the support that you give the league um, is extremely important to us as well, uh, and we thank you for that. Well, that's excellent. What what a wonderful way to what a wonderful way to finish. Um, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our uh, our discussion. And uh, it's a bit of a sort of a state of the nation address, isn't it, to, to kick off the new season? Yeah. Now, what are you? What, what, how how are we getting on with the uh, with the bulletin then, Tom? We've had one out already. Uh, the Tool Station Cup, which took place two weekends ago, I believe. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> the street Street took part in that anyway. Yeah, but yes, yeah, so there are, there is a bulletin out there. Uh, the obviously the main one, the the first of the of the proper season, shall we say? 
episode uh, will be out hopefully on Sunday, uh, maybe Monday morning. So, yeah, looking forward to getting started again. Excellent. Well, we'll be back next week, won't we? We'll be talking about football. Indeed. Uh, mud on boots. That's yeah. what it's all about. But it we've is. had a bit of a, a, a sort of a State of the Nation address <laughs> today. I hope you've enjoyed it, listeners. But um, for the first podcast of the season, Tool Station Western League podcast of the season, I've been Ian Knuckles. Thank you very much to my guest, Pleasure. Tom Hiscott. Pleasure. Nice to see you again. Uh, Andy Radford. Every success to you for the renewed season. And uh, John Paul. Thank you, Ian. Lovely stuff. Mm-hmm.